you can't wait another minute. You can't put it off another day. Your life is too valuable to forfeit your destiny. So let's start something new. Now, <laughs> let's go. When we are bitten by life unexpectedly, it can often cause damage beyond recognition. And the truth of the matter today is that many of us are living our lives out of the eye. Didn't see that coming experience. The perspective says no. Your faith will say that God is still fighting for me. That when your perspective tries to convince you that you are down and out, your faith will remind you that it is God who has all power in his hands, who is still working things for you. Say it again. The assertion of the fact that mercy is present means this, y'all. Without the existence of mercy, that would be different meaning if mercy wasn't present it would be another way but Jeremiah says that because of the Lord's mercies which now means that we have to shift our outlook and it has to be What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Marissa Farrell here, and welcome back to your Next Down podcast with me. I'm excited today because this will be our, our launch series since our May uh, podcast series, which took place. And I'm excited because there's so many wonderful things going on. As you can see, I've been in the lab thinking up, you know, these new colors, new merchandise. As you can see, shameless plug, Rocking My Brown by Marissa, which is available right now on brownxmarissa.com. So make sure you visit me there or pop up at any service. I'm at. I promise you I'm going to have everything that you want or need. I'm excited today because there are so many wonderful things that are taking place. If you're listening to this podcast right now, I am on my way to London, England, to the Royals Conference 2022, and I cannot wait to get there. KICC, what up, everybody? And I'm just so thrilled. If you have not yet registered, because it's Thursday, it's not technically too late. So make sure you register to attend the Royal Conference 2022. And I promise you, you will be blessed. Today's conversation is one that is certainly uh, important to me, one that is certainly uh, necessary, I think, in ministry. And I'm so thrilled at the guest that I have today who will be joining me for this conversation because he is not just my friend and my brother, but he is a bishop. He is a singer. He is a musician. He is a pastor. He is certainly uh, one of God's chosen vessels anointed for this time. But what I love about this man of God more than anything is that when he speaks, he exudes wisdom out of his mouth. You want to hang on to every single nugget and every single thing that he says. So listen, today you need to grab your notebooks, get your pens and your pencils, your paper, whatever you want, because you are going to be blessed by none other than my friend from my home, Baltimore, Maryland, Bishop Jason Nelson. Bishop Nelson, welcome. What up, what up? What up, bro? I am good. I am great. But that's my question for you, because we want to know how everything's going with Bishop. So how are you today? How you feeling? I'm I'm doing well. You know, just left the gym. So I feel, you know, kind of pumped up and and um just glad to be on with you, living life. Kids are great, wife is great. Everybody's growing up. I see, I mean, you got a new driver. Am I did I see that right? Yes, Jason is driving and Jalen has a her own new apartment so oh my god now she was just in college new apartment and a driver i just this just happening all too fast but i'm glad that you're well the gym is always a great start to the day so i'm sure that you are feeling amped about being able to exude all of that stuff that's in your head because you know you are definitely a nugget dropper and we're excited about chatting with you today but what's happening with you what's new what's upcoming not just for bishop jason nelson but of course the singer because we all love your music and so what's going on with you well, um, let's see. This week um, is a big week for me. I'm nominated for two stellar awards Whoa. and um, am graced to be singing on the actual show this year. Um, so when it airs, whenever they air it, um, you'll see me singing residue. Um, <clears throat> that's probably the biggest thing that's happening this week. That's awesome. Um, you know, obviously, I, I, we just celebrated 15 years of pastoring. Um, at the church. Wow. So, um, you know, things are going well. I, I really can't complain at all. Wow. That happened fast. 15 years. That that doesn't even seem, yeah, like it was that long. But congratulations yeah, to you. It's been 15 whole Wow. Years. And your dad just celebrated a birthday, too, who we love, by the way. He is just the, he you know. turned 88. Oh, my God. And he still got a good dance. My God. You ain't ever got an excuse to not yeah. praise God. <laughs> 
And we all know the Nelson, uh, the senior Nelsons are, have always been some of my favorite praisers in the world. You know, they always start the praise and the praise. And we just love the Nelson family, the full Nelson, as we like to call you all. Um, yeah. That's amazing. We we are excited about the sellers. And um, have you won one before? You've won before, right? I have. I am a stellar award winner. Yeah. In, in 2013. Ah. Uh, praise and worship um, CD of the year. Oh, um, so we're going to see, I don't know, it's stiff competition this year. So I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you, know, you go and, and you do what you can and, and you hope you win. If you don't, you you know, wish well for the person who does. That's kind of how it works. Yeah. The music industry is, is, is really, really good this year. The gospel music industry is blowing up. It's exploding, exploding, but we know that there'll always be a place of course for Bishop Jason Nelson and everybody's favorites. Um, so we're excited about that. How is life in this um, slowly approaching, hopefully post-pandemic season. I mean, it feels like some part of, of life is returning to some sense of normality, which I don't even know what normal is anymore at this point after COVID. Exactly. But but how is life for you? And most importantly, how is like ministry during the season, especially as a pastor? Um, we life, I think I think like you just, you know, acknowledge, I think we are adjusting. Yeah. It, that's probably the best word mm -hmm. I can use. I think we're adjusting. I think things are to a large degree starting to normalize. Um, but also in the same token, I think we um, had to, you know, pivot right. quite a bit right. in this season. And um, I think that word is probably the vernacular of anybody who wants to continue doing kingdom work. Yeah. It, it, how we used to do it no longer really applies. So, you know, we've been changing, you know, at the pace that we've needed to in order to kind of make sure that our people are good, that, you know, the people in the church and, you know, all the pastors that I cover um, in our organization, just, you know, making sure that everybody is getting what they need and um, learning how to pace myself in the process. And I think that's probably been the hardest thing is to, you know, you, you have to learn what the pandemic taught me, if nothing else, is you got to rest. You have to mm. take the time to pause when yeah. that is necessary. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> if you don't, life is going to run you over with a Mack truck. Oof. <laughs> you can say that again. It's going to hit you hard too. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, that's that's actually powerful, and 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 what you were saying is is so relevant to this conversation. This this topic of hush hush is is something that I wanted to talk about, um, because I think that a lot of it has derived itself from the um the pandemic life. I think it it more so personified itself during the pandemic life. And you said something that what we used to do, some of it is no longer applicable. Some of it is no longer the same. The way we do ministry and things like that have, have changed. We will have to pivot. And one of the things that, that launched this level of conversation for me is that during the pandemic, I had a friend, a really good friend of mine who um, I saw over a few occasions during the last two years and um, they were extremely burdened down and weighed down because during the pandemic, they were forced to become a caregiver for not one, but two family members. And I mean, it was to the point where it was like, when I would see him often, he was breaking down and in tears and just worn out. And I started thinking about the things that we just don't discuss, um, kind of and minister to in, in, in church and, and some of the things that happened during the pandemic. Um, you know, there were a lot of people, I, I talked to a lot of youth, believe it or not, a uh, Bishop that were in personified prisons, you know, school was their only escape from the, the trauma and the abuse that goes on in their homes and things like that. And really, I think some of those issues that I guess I personally didn't know existed because maybe they weren't my, my story necessarily. Um, mm -hmm. I started to understand that, wow, there are a lot of things that we, we have not considered. Um, and as, a, as an itinerant preacher, you know, who travels the, the country preaching, I thank God for every word of faith and every word that has encouraged people. But there are some direct issues, I think, that needs to be talked about. And what I realize is they become a spiritual burden to us. And the lack of resource to be able to discuss them or the lack of ministry or even the lack of knowledge for people to know that these are pressing issues for the saints and for the believers that are weighing on their spirits creates a level of spiritual um, bondage. So while there are a lot of people who are hurting in the season, who are living with unspoken emotions and not just about things that are unusual to discuss, uh, but even taboo things, you know, the old stuff, the stuff that we, you know, just used to be hush hush about. 
you know, when when have um, you personally, um, or rather, what have you personally sensed as a leader uh, about this time for the body of Christ? especially in regards to mental health um, and some of the mental wear and tear that's come from this season, what have you sensed as, as a leader? Well, number one, what one of the things I've sensed is that we were, we were not prepared mm. as, as a body wow. for the rigors attached to um, coronavirus. I think mm. most of us had, had learned to adapt to whatever life was before us and actually kind of hard to remember what it was prior to yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but ultimately, the first thing that I have to say is we definitely weren't ready. We were definitely ill-prepared for what the pandemic brought with regard yeah. to the isolation. Um, so the introverts flourished during um, the pandemic. The extroverts um, literally were in damage control for like a year. <laughs> wow. You know, when, when everything shut down and I'm talking about the introverts in leadership, the introverts in, you know, who are pastors, yeah. the itinerant introverts, yeah. um, and, and then conversely, the itinerant extroverts, yeah. the itinerant pastors, the, the, right. the itinerant extroverts, right. the, the pastors who were extroverts, who now had to figure out a way to get sensory information that they were accustomed to. Sensory information. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I, I don't think we were prepared for that. Right. And um, when everybody went virtual for a season, when most people went virtual for a season, um, it was making trying to make the adjustments. Mm -hmm. You know, extrovert preachers who are accustomed to feedback had to learn how to preach without an audience. <laughs> and um, you had to learn how to um, fix your language. Right. You had to learn that. Um, and let me tell you, the biggest thing that happened in church during the pandemic yeah is that the teaching anointing was made relevant again. My God. Um, because, you know, the, like, which is what a lot of people do. I always go. And, and I'm not knocking right. it, but that became irrelevant yeah. to a large degree because it doesn't translate in a space where there's nobody to receive that kind of input. Wow. Um, and I think that probably was one of the bigger changes that had to be made to accommodate for an audience who was all at home. Wow. Um, and then beyond that, I think it, we, we also, I don't think took into consideration the psychological and emotional damage that was being done, um, both to the introverts and the extroverts yeah. who were, who had to make massive adjustments to their lifestyles without any kind of remediation at all. And wow. I think um, we are seeing the outcroppings of that now. Wow. With, you know, moral failures are more prevalent now than, they, than they've been in a long mm. time. Um, mental issues are being made public now in a way that they've never been made public yeah. before. Um, because the pandemic, to a large degree, was a, a revelator. Right. <laughs> and right. an exposure right. of some of the ills that, that, you know, that were in the church that were hidden by productivity mm. or movement right it's easy to hide how sick you are when you're in one city one day and in another city the next. jesus Woo. and 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 what what a a segue into the fact that much of what what you're talking about and especially with the the fact that now things are more prevalent and, and you can no longer really kind of conceal some of those things because of the pivoting of life in general um during that time and i think what that led to a lot of people for the introvert the extrovert and and beyond um is a lot of coping mechanisms and and this is where mm -hmm. we get into the meat of this conversation because one of the questions that i personally had is um how specifically how we as ministers and leaders address silence in the church but specifically start to tackle and dismantle um, this stereotype of just having to be silenced because I believe in my personal opinion, we can, we can view silence as bondage, right? It's almost like secrets. When I was younger, um, people used to say, Oh, don't tell about this or don't talk about that. And, and, or you can't say such and such to so-and-so. Right. And I can remember being younger and feeling like, well, you have to hold on to this thing that's being done or said. But if I knew at that time, specifically as a young person, oh, that's not right, or that could potentially lead to someone getting in more trouble, you know, that that secret has so much power to damage. You know, I was actually just before we got on, I was watching this documentary, and I think 
it, it, if you love true crime, you might enjoy this. I'm going to plug it. It's called The Girl in the Picture on Netflix. It was really, really interesting. But this young lady, you know, she died at 20 years old, uh, married to her stepfather, uh, who had changed her whole identity, kidnapped her, all types of drama. But the reason why no one figured this out until after it was too late was because it was kept quiet, right? So for me, I believe that silence can be viewed as a form of bondage. And one of the things that a lot of people are not talking about, I have a lot of personal friends that have gotten into coping mechanisms that include, you know, using, um, you know, things to, to help them sleep and help them to get through their day and help them to function. I need this to try to, you know, whatever. And I'm not going to put everybody's stuff out there. What I am saying is that it's brought us to this place of just unusual um, patterns and behaviors, but but people are afraid to address it and people are afraid to, to talk about it. What, what do you view or how do you view um, just silence in the church and how do you feel like we can really kind of start dismantling um, that, that, that bondage um, that people are dealing with? Well, one, I do think and agree that silence is, in fact, or can be perceived as a prison. I think yeah. that that's um, important. Is that me or you? Uh, that might be the, you. Uh, Somebody's trying to get you, Bishop. Okay. But, <laughs> but we're good. This I'm is why I love podcasting. Like, you can, yeah, it don't have to be so formal. Like, hey, guys, Bishop's phone is ringing. Somebody's trying to get him. He's important. So just hold off. All right. <laughs> oh, you know what I think it is? My, my computer is going nuts right now. Oh, it's okay, catching so. up. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's catching up. That, that I told you it shut down, so I actually got my laptop to, yeah. to talk to you. <clears throat> but at any rate, um, I think I agree that um, silence is a prison. You know, what happens with, when you are abused, your abuser uses your silence yeah. as their weapon. Mm. You know, so if you say something, then everybody's going to hate you. If you say something, this going to happen. So they force silence and, and they make the um the person who has been victimized um a victim more than once you know so you're victimized by the actual event but then you're also victimized by the memory that you can't expose or have a discussion about you know for fear of whatever the repercussions will be um for, for you or for that or for, even for the offender right so now you become the protector of your offender oh my god um, and and that creates obviously a very unhealthy emotional and mental dynamic yeah. for, for an individual. Um, so silence definitely has been used, has been weaponized against victims or people who have been hurt, people who have been offended, things of that nature. Um, but beyond that, I think we've been taught culturally to hold it, you know, tamp it down, swallow it, right. you're going to be all right, God's going to help you through it, that kind of thing. And while the truth is God will help us through some of these mechanisms, um, Revelations 12 and 11 tells us the power of testimony. So, you know, we, we overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb oh. and by the word of our testimony. Oh. So our ability to articulate what we're going through is actually the window to our victory. Mm. So if I'm silent, Ooh. what I'm doing is I am thrusting victory into the future. Jesus. So I can't have it now. I got to wait until it finds me. Whereas if I testify or acknowledge or confess, then I go and find victory. And I think that's the difference. And because we've been forced into silence, mm. we've been forced into <laughs> delayed victory. And for some, we've been forced into delayed um, retribution, wow. not by us, but by God. God is our avenger. Yeah. But if I'm holding on to the secret of, you know, based on the offense, what I've also done is I've created a dynamic where I'm not I'm not giving God permission mm. to take care of it Jeez. because I'm saying if I'm holding it I'm saying I'll eventually I'll get around to it right. but that thing is going to remain elusive because I'm silent. Right. I mean I think that's also why one of the things that happened even in the Bible um, the Bible talks about how the demons demonic attacks would mute the person who they you know uh, overtook yeah. so that person did not have the ability to speak for themselves or to find a mechanism um, that would allow for deliverance to come. So other people had to fend for them. Wow. That's, you, you just said, 
so many things that I'm sure if we had our live callers, live listeners right now, they would be just taking this into a whole nother place. But you started talking about protection of the offenders. And I want to translate that spiritually really quickly, because I think a lot of times what we don't recognize is while while much of this conversation is built around natural and human offenders and, and things like that, because a lot of people are dealing with um, struggles that include being attached to a specific individual spiritually when we stop confessing, right, uh, and we, when we stop uh, discussing things or even when we stop seeking help, right, because confession doesn't always have to be about just talking with somebody, talking to somebody as much as or releasing your business, as much as it is going and turning to people or a person who can specifically offer help in a specific area. We then become those who actually protect what the enemy is doing in our lives, right? Because this becomes a spiritual uh, battle for us. It becomes a, a imprisonment in our minds. And whenever it is that you are imprisoned in your mind, you cannot live um, freely in your faith. I do believe that it is difficult to please God and to do the work of ministry, uh, to do whatever it is you're called to do. And I'm talking about anything from ministry to parenting to whatever, when you are dealing with something that is controlling your emotions, because whenever it is that you have an emotional bond, uh, uh, that thing will, or spiritual warfare, it's like a yoke. It moves you in whatever direction it wants to move you. And so now you are yoked up by this thing that the enemy is proud to use to control you, to keep you in place, much like what Bishop was just discussing. Let's just say right now, Bishop, there's somebody who's listening to this who says, hey, I am one of those individuals who has so many different um, facets of my life that I, I've never discussed. Maybe it was sexual trauma as a child. Maybe it was a miscarriage. Uh, maybe it was the abandonment of a parent. Maybe it was um, church hurt. I mean, that's one that we, we, we blanket a lot. But realistically, there are a lot of people who are suffering from things that were done and said right in the church. And I'm not talking about in a blanket manner. I'm talking about um, abuse that has happened in the church spiritual abuse, spiritual manipulation from leaders, things that people have really been traumatized by. What do you feel like is a first step for somebody to just begin to break that hold enough to find some level of faith that there is a person who God will send, who I can go to, and maybe it's even a therapist, because I also want to get your stance in this question on, on church and therapy. So cover all of that for us, for the individual who's listening right now, who's saying, Bishop, where do I even start? Number one, but first let me let me just tag. I definitely believe in therapy. Mm. I have a therapist. Oh, wonderful! I love <laughs> so, that. Wonderful. Uh, that's definitely a, a big part. Now, can of, I pause and ask? Do you prefer a Christian therapist or non, like a you know non-Christian or general? I prefer a Christian therapist, okay. the one who understands a Christian dynamic Good. because of how layered my life is okay. in the Christian ethos. Right. So. Um, I prefer a Christian therapist. I think that that some people would probably benefit from a therapist whose um, whose approach isn't, you know, Christian or biblical right. per se. Right. Um, I think they they may need to talk to somebody who has a zeitgeist that's wider than just the the church life. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's important. Right. In in the mixed uh, scheme of things. Right. Um, but to to your question of how do I handle? Yeah. Um, what, what are my first steps to, you know, deliverance, to finding a way to exit some of the stuff that I'm in? Um, number one, you have to, I would say, number one, you got to journal. Um, if, even if you don't have a person to talk to, you can talk to your, to the book that you're writing. Um, your, and your words can become, um, ministry yeah. to you until you find the wherewithal, the faith. Um, the, the, the guts, if you will, mm -hmm. um, the intestinal fortitude, whatever terminology you want to use to actually go and have a discussion with somebody about, um, what has happened to you. Um, so I would say first you gotta, I would say journal because th there's a truth in journaling when you just take a moment and just release what's in you. Um, there's a, there's a level of cleansing that happens in that particular regard. Secondly, don't be afraid to cry. Because sometimes it is the cleansing of, uh, my therapist told me that tears are the cleansing of your soul. And um, so when, when you are able to release those tears, that actually is cathartic to, um, and, and methodological, um, that it, it releases a method, let me say, um, to 
allow you to find a place of release. Um, and then ultimately, you got to talk about it. Um, Jesus said, cast your cares on me for he cares for us. So he's giving us permission, right. literally permission yeah. to bring our fears, our concerns, our hurts, the despair, um, the emotional abuse, the, the um, you know, the physical abuse, whatever the case may be, we can take it to him because he's concerned about us. He is care for us. It's so broad. It's, it's so um, all encompassing that he can handle it. Not only does he already know it, but it is our confession that allows him to intervene. Mm -hmm. um, from a spiritual perspective, we've been given dominion in the earth. Wow. So if we want God's inclusion into our cir circumstance or situation, we have to literally invite him in. Right. That's how he created the earth. Right. So our confession is an invitation for God to intervene. Um, and whether that be through deliverance or whether it be through healing, because most of us need both deliverance and healing. Right. They're not the same thing. Um, and uh, sometimes we have to be vocal in order to find a path to, to, to healing and to deliverance. And then sometimes we don't know how damaged we are until we talk about wow. it. Wow. And wow. that's why being, that's why that hush hush ideology is so pervasive mm. because it forces you to live damage. Oof. It forces you to live in a place where you're not whole and you know you're not whole and you don't know a way to get whole because you've now adjusted down to a damaged lifestyle. And now you become bonded to your trauma or bonded wow. to the person who bonded you know so that i think those things become um you know largely problematic mm. um, with regard to how we function in the church now I, I will say this i don't subscribe to the term church hurt mm -hmm. i don't that church hurt is a thing right i do believe that people get hurt in hurt in the church i think using you know a terminology or vernacular church hurt right. is illegal you know if you get hurt in walmart you don't call it walmart <laughs> You get hurt at KFC. You don't call it KFC hurt. Only in the church right. do we take the do we make the whole of the church right. responsible for the workings of an individual. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I call it a blanket. I, I essentially agree with you. Yeah. So and, and and again, this is not to dismiss right. what occurs in church. Right. I've I've been in situations where people were abused in the church. Mm -hmm. where, I mean, physically abusing the right. church. People have been sexually abusing the church. We, we had it happen in our church some years, like many, many years ago, probably 20 years ago. I was the one to call the police. Wow. You know, and, and held the guy until the police came to arrest him Whoa. and to take him into custody. Whoa. So I, I, I don't, I'm definitely not a proponent of silence by any stretch of the imagination. But I also know how dangerous um, church environments can be if we're not careful. Exactly. You know what I mean? So even at our church, if you're going to function in any environment where you're dealing with kids or you, or you you're going to get a background check. Mm -hmm. We're going to know about your life before you are permitted to engage with our youth because so many crazy things Absolutely. happen. People implicitly mm -hmm. trust church people, and that has been taken advantage of. Yep. And I think we have to be careful to not allow that to, to become pervasive. That's actually I keep, true. I can keep talking. With no, you, I mean, I you know, this is good. I'm taking those all in. Give me a... Uh, uh, a quick for your for your sake, two three minute synopsis or spiritual synopsis because we we just love to hear you just spiritually teach us and give us uh, that wisdom. Give us a spiritual synopsis on the power of confession, specifically in regards to how today someone can translate this message to feel more strengthened in their own walk to to particularly begin to start to dismantle those things within their lives. What, what, what do you, what do you see and what do you sense and what do you believe um, is valuable about the power of confession? Okay. So I have two, two scriptures come to mind, mm. um, both in Mark, um, where Jesus, before he administers deliverance has a conversation. Um, he, he does it in Mark five, when he gets to um, the tombs of the, of the Gadarenes, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he gets off the, you take your notes? <laughs> he gets off the boat and um, immediately the man who has legion runs to him and he falls down. Right. So, uh, and he takes on like a posture of worship. 
So, and so I read that as the man is not in control, but he's still able to bow and worship. Mm-hmm. While he's bowed down, Jesus has this conversation with the demons. He said, who are you? Right. We are legion. Um, my, my name is legion for we are. Yeah. So you, you see the dichotomy of a singular verbiage of unity and then the numerous levels of demons that are all operating in concert. Mm. My name is Legion, for we are many. Um, so Jesus has a conversation with the head of this demonic force, and then he casts them out. So he makes the demon acknowledge who they are so that the man understands the depth of wow. the deliverance that he's engaging. Um, so that's that's Mark chapter number five. Lord Jesus. That sometimes you don't understand how deeply you need to be delivered <laughs> until you have a conversation about what you're dealing with. Um, so that that's the first thing. But then secondly, in Mark chapter number nine, which is to me, um, Jesus advocating for therapy in our modern day context. Yeah. Um, when he comes down out of the Mount of Transfiguration, there's a man who brought his son to the disciples, to the nine disciples that are left mm-hmm. uh, down at the bottom of the of, of base of the mountain. And he says, I brought my, my son to your disciples to, to have this demon cast out of him, and he couldn't be cast out. And the Bible says that when the demon sees Jesus, he thrashes the kid. So now you have this kid that's, you know, foaming at the mouth. He's, I'm sure you, we can imagine he's rolling on the, on the ground. Right, that nature. right. And then Jesus ignores it. And, and to me, that is, is, it feels callous until you understand that therapy and deliverance go hand in hand. And Jesus then has a conversation with the father. He says, so tell me, how long has this been going on? That is the conversation that a therapist has with a patient. How long, did you, how long has this been going on? And man says, since he was a child, you know, and he said, these demons have been trying to kill him since he was a kid. Um, they throw him into the water. They throw him to the fire. And the father acknowledges that for since the time that the son has been um, demonically possessed, he's been a caregiver. Mm-hmm. And his job is to keep his son from killing himself by reason of this demonic force. And wow. then Jesus speaks to the demon and says, come out of him and do not return. Right. And, and the Bible says when the boy gets delivered, he looks dead to the crowd. Mm. But Jesus reaches down, pulls him up and, and hands his son back to the father. So what happened in that, in that text? Right. What happened in the text is we discover that the son is bound by demons, but the father needs therapy. It's the father... So both of them need deliverance. Mm-hmm. The father needs deliverance because he's chosen. He's because he's chosen to love his son despite his condition. He's been forced to not live a life. He's been forced to only take care of his son. So Jesus now has to deal with the healing of of the father wow. and the deliverance of the son wow. that happens at the same time. So when the son gets free, the father does too. So now the son is able to live a regular life, and the father is able to engage in a way. Um, that he's not been able to since his son became the Oh my God. So one of the things that we have to understand is that Jesus makes the father discuss the, 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 you know, the history of his son's predicament. Mm. And that confession gives clarity to how functional, how dysfunctional the family has been since the son has been caught up in the situation that he's in. One more, Mark chapter number five, same chapter, the woman with the issue of blood. Um, the, you know, she makes a determination. If I can touch his hymn, I'll be made, you know, I'll be made whole. The Bible says, you know, you know the story. She she goes to press through the crowd, she touches the hem of his garment, yes. and she is healed. But she is not made whole until she confesses her whole story. Jesus says, Somebody touched me. This I was like, everybody's touching. Like, no, nobody, somebody pulled virtue out of me. Right. When she discovers that that she is uncovered now, something he knows, the Bible says she stands up and confesses the whole story. So now we understand her history. So the reason why we know she she um spent all her money on doctors and was not even better was because she confessed it. Wow. After her confession, Jesus says, Your faith has made you whole. Which faith? The faith that made her touch the garment or the faith that made her talk about it. Whoa, healed versus being made whole. So through her faith of both the confession that if I touch him, I can be made whole and the confession of her storyline, both gives Jesus now permission to say, 
since you talked about everything you've gone through, I'm going to deliver you from everything you've gone through. So he literally reset her life. So the 12 years of her life where she was isolated, she was alone, she was bleeding, she was weak, all of the things that come with, you know, a 12 year cycle, Jesus erases all of it with you are now made whole. Your faith has made you whole. So talking is a necessity. Our salvation comes through the act of confession. We can't even get to God until we confess that he is right. and that uh, he raised Christ from the dead. You know, the whole Romans, Romans 10 thing, that's a part of our, the dynamic of, of every believer. Confession is a part of, of being a believer. Right. You can't say you love God and that you're a follower of Christ, but you live in a hush-hush society. Right. Those two things don't comport. So we have to get comfortable talking about what's happening or we'll be we'll always find ourselves prisoners to moments instead of being able to progress in life wow confession is the pathway to deliverance this, this is essentially what we've just heard and, and just by the way i'm gonna preach one of them texts now y'all heard it first from bishop jason nelson but you know i'm gonna go study it on my own see what i say of the lord through bishop jason <laughs> that was just a power that all three of those have been powerful and if you did not catch those you need to rewind this back um to that like 29 20 something mark and take all that again because what he's essentially teaching us is that confession is a pathway to deliverance right and what he shows us is that there is a difference than being healed and then being made whole there there's a difference when you start to confess and when you start to discuss not just part of the story but the whole story right so it's one thing that my son is sick but it's another thing that i have also suffered from what my son is going through that's that burden of that caregiver like that is something mm-hmm. that somebody needs to preach that because there are a lot of people in this world who are dealing with um being burdened down by something um that is similar to that that is I believe a key statement for any person who's listening to this podcast to understand that today, if you are dealing with something that has burdened you, something that has been um, burning with inside of you, something, some sort of trauma, um, and you have refused to talk about it, you've been forced to feel like you cannot talk about it, but you know, in your heart of hearts and in your soul, because you are a believer and you have a spirit of discernment and you know, just naturally that this is not right. Things are not right. And even if you know about other people, what's going on with them, things that put them in unsafe environments, you cannot exist in freedom until you first live in confession. And I believe that it is important today that we understand that. Let me ask you this last question. It brings me to this point. Do you believe that we as the church and leaders have a greater responsibility to minister to trauma, um, you know, and not just blanket what people are going through. I think I, I, I feel like a lot of times, you know, I can hear great sermons that are wonderful, that are masterfully done, but that don't necessarily call out and identify some of those areas in people's lives that are super prevalent and super relevant to their their truth, their reality, their lives, the way that they live, the choices that they make, the way that they choose to trust and not trust, and all those things that control and once again, yoke and bondage our lives. Do you believe that we have a greater responsibility to be sensitive to trauma and not always view it through the lens of the traditional hellfire and brimstone kind of gospel. I say that to say, because I have a friend who is a pastor, a very um, prominent pastor, very respectable pastor, well in their 70s. So has, you know, super um, long credibility in ministry. And if I, you know, if I called the name, everyone would know that this story is, is not just one that I'm talking about because, you know, it's relevant to this topic, but something that people are actually dealing with. Um, and they, they were, they were preaching um, regarding um, this, the spirit of homosexuality. And um, there was an individual who who uh, heard the message or who was at, at the church um, at the time and ended up sending a letter um, letting them know that, you know, they've never disagreed with their theology. They don't disrespect them. They don't even disregard them or they're not mad at them for what they preach. But to explain that she was an individual who had been gang raped um, by six different individuals uh, uh, in a, at a party or some sort of, of incident. And so the pastor, the reason why that pastor imparted that story in me, because they were helping me to see that a lot of times we have a responsibility to be more sensitive to how people ended up where they are. So today I'm asking you, you know, do we have a greater responsibility? And for leaders who have been so traditional, and I love you because you are like the most non-traditional traditionals that I know, but what, what, how 
can leaders begin to anchor themselves to be more relevant to this present age, you know, to serve this present age, a calling to fulfill, right? One of those great hymns yeah. of the church. How can leaders become more sensitive without compromising, obviously, or feeling like they're compromising the gospel? First off, we need to release our unhealthy love with Western Christianity. Ooh, now we're getting into something much deeper. Because yeah, that is the core of the issue. The core of the issue is we have become so, um, what term do I want to use? Westernized. Radicalized. Right. Radicalized. I, I don't want to say Westernized. It's we've been radicalized. Radicalized. By Western Christianity to the degree that we don't really understand Jesus's full context in our present age. In our present and age. in that, what Jesus did time and time again, regardless of the circumstance that he was presented with, is he loved people back to a place of hell. Yes. Um, so the woman who was caught in an act of adultery, you know, so let's just talk about fornication just for a minute. Fornication in all of its forms. You know, if it's homosexuality, it's still fornication. fornication. If it's lesbianism, it's still fornication. fornication. If it's adultery, it's still fornication. Yeah. Fornication actually is an umbrella right. for a whole bunch of sexual sins. Yep. Sexual sins and sexual ideation mm. as well. Yep. When we experience or when we read Jesus's contact with people who live in that space, he never condemns it. Not once. It doesn't happen. The, matter of fact, John 3, 17 says, I did not come to the world to condemn the world right. um, or, or to bring shame to you. He came for the sake of deliverance. So I think the first thing we have to do is we have to divorce ourselves from the ideology of Western Christianity that says relentlessly rebuke people, make them feel bad, create a dynamic where it is actually unhealthy for deliverance to happen because love is absent from the dynamic. Love is absent. It's the first thing that we have to Sheesh. do. Um, and as we approach people in general, we have to, you know, in, in our society, we're dealing with um, the Roe versus Wade overturning. We, we're dealing with all of the ramifications mm. of that. Um, that's mm. a whole other conversation. But, but there are things that are attached to that moment that have now spiraled into um, the overturning of Obergefell and, and same-sex marriage, things that age, blah, 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 blah. All of these things are tied to Ide ideologies right. that are not really biblical mm. if we if we really dig into the truth of it. And again, we don't have time <laughs> to really unpack all Yeah, that. by the way, but what day is your Bible studies again? Because, you know, I was best supposed to show up at GBT. So, you know, just in case somebody's in Baltimore and saying, you know, I need to go sit up under Bishop. What days is the Bible studies again? So we do Tuesdays. And I, I, right now our Bible classes are all virtual. Oh. Because um, that makes it even easier. You can just log on wherever you want. Wonderful. And do you have a on demand for those who want to watch it and rewind? Yes. <laughs> Great. Yes. Everything is on demand. Okay. So, so what, what we have to understand is once we understand how poorly we've been educated oh, biblically. Lord Jesus. Um, we get into this conversation. Jesus' real mandate yeah. and Jesus' real method of operation in the earth. Mm -hmm. We'll understand how badly we've gotten this wrong wow. um, over the course of many, many years. Right. Um, so first off, we have to understand that God loves us yeah. and that there is no sin that exists that has the ability to separate and disconnect us from the love that God has yeah. for us. That's the first thing. Right. And once you understand that, when you understand that God's love is completely pervasive, it is all encompassing. And that regardless of your state, when you come to him, God is willing and able willing and right. ready Sheesh. to love anybody in any state, whether you are the victimizer or the victim, yeah. God loves both. Absolutely. Whether you're the murderer or the family that's dealing with a loved one who was murdered, God loves both. Yeah. So we have to understand. And as nuanced as that is, God recognizes that both sides of the equation right. require his love. Right. So when we look at it from that perspective. The Jew and the Gentile. <laughs> the, the Jew and the Gentile. And the, Gentile. The, the, the male and the female. Right. The bond and the free. Right. All of, in, in, in Christ, all of those things are equalized. Yeah. Because we all need love. Yeah. We all need grace. We all need mercy. So when we, when, if you approach life from that perspective, it changes your, the, the, the pre- revelatory conditioning wow. 
that we've been subject to yeah. that makes us judge people harshly in places where we should be administering love. love. That That's where we've gotten it wrong. Yeah. So, and then the other thing is we also have to be careful to not put everybody in the same bucket. Right. There are some people who were abused mm-hmm. and they turned homosexual yeah. and they, and you know, and, and they became homosexual. Right. They're like the, 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 the person who was gang raped. Yes. They, their perception about hetero love is skewed based on that particular in, uh, engagement. Damaged, yeah. yeah. So absolutely damaged. And her reasoning is just based on her situation. Then there are those who are born with a predisposition to same sex, things of that nature. Um, and we have to understand that that is a reality. Right. You know what I mean? You know, God made me this way. That's their perception right. based on how they were. But let's do this. Let's take it a step further, Bishop, and plug this. Not even God made me this way predisposed, but now we're seeing the children who are products of same-sex homes. So that's what Absolutely. they know. And honestly, in, in another shameless plug, I just love documentaries, by the way. I watched this documentary on Netflix called Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey about um, Ruling Jeffs and, and Warren Jeffs who run the FDLS church, which is the fundamentalist, the polygamist thing. And it was a really, really mm-hmm. big thing. And I'm watching this thing and I'm saying, God, how do you let somebody like this live in the earth? Like, I'm sitting there thinking about all the people we've lost. You know how, um, I think it was Bishop Ellis who once said, he said, God, if you won't take anybody, I got a list of people. Like, you know, when we lost our good loved ones. And I'm saying, how do you allow one man to manipulate eight and 10,000 people into all this kind of, you know, I was kind of going there in my head, but I realized those yeah. people were taught that embedded that from the time they were born. And see, we have to remember yes. God is not just the God of the black church. He's God of the universe, right? So we're talking about a God who is not just, you know, dealing with what, what our culture deals with, but everyone I'm sitting there saying in my mind, I'm like, take him out of here you know but the truth of the matter is these people are dealing with things that they are embedded with from the beginning so when i talk about predisposed i'm also talking about now for those of you who are listening who have been a little less sensitive to certain issues you are dealing with people who are the products of all types of situations and you also have to be considerate of that. i'm sorry i just wanted to plug that no that's it, that's but that's uh the i think the overarching theme is the reason why those things exist is volition yeah choice and um, if you position yourself in that particular light with that mentality, right. that the reason why those things exist is because God refuses to take man's choice. Away. Wow. Yeah. It's Free will. <laughs> um, and, and so for me and other people are like, well, it's not that that's complex. No, it's really, it's really not. It's really not complex. It is simple that when you understand how volition has created multiple dynamics in the earth, it is God's will that everybody be saved. Right. But everybody's not going to be saved. Exactly. Why? Because people have choice. Exactly. You know, it's God's will that we love one another, you know, and, and that we consider one another. The greatest commandments that everything else folds into, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. If we did those two things, none of the stuff that we're dealing with right now would exist. But the problem is people don't love others as they love themselves. Yeah. Some people don't love themselves, so they don't know how to love others. Right. And so when you're dealing with those kinds of dynamics, it is very, very difficult to navigate these spaces trying to create a mandate when nuance is required. Gotcha. And I'll, I'll say this, and, and then you, we can you go however you, you feel. <laughs> I think the, the other thing that Western Christianity has done is painted God into a dynamic, into the corners of black and white. Right. When in reality, God is very, very, very gray. gray. (laughs) We understand that God is gray. Yeah. That grace is gray. Grace is gray. It changes how we engage. Grace is gray. God is not black and white. Right. God is gray. Right. I love that. And, and I, I thank you for that because even personally, you know, I won't, um, I'll, I'll definitely, I'm the last person to try to, you know, act like I'm so perfect. Anybody who sees me in the world knows that I'm just like, yeah, and I'm Marissa. And I think it's been on this personal journey of self-discovery and, and spiritual discovery during these last few months, at, you know, in this approaching post-pandemic world that I'm starting to see it and and even search for God differently. You know, I posted something recently where I was talking about how I I was dealing with the spirit of self-condemnation so heavily. Um, and, and I had to often wake up and quote to myself, there is therefore no condemnation to them who Christ Jesus. You know, I had to kind of go through these things because I had to remind myself that 
sometimes the fight that I that we have within ourselves is really the fight against what we've been taught versus what we believe, right? And, and what we we understand about about God as we develop and, and we mature as spiritual individuals. And you know, I'm the kind of person who. Bishop, like in my honest confession on my on my daddy life right now, I I really want to please God and I want to get this right. You know, and anytime I find myself, um, maybe I'm going through a season of something that that I know is probably off kilter, or maybe I find myself dealing with something specifically, maybe during the pandemic season, I found myself dealing with things I never thought I would deal with, right? But I remember thinking, like, oh my God, God is God hates me. Like he is like he's not gonna use me no more. I'm he's gonna take away my ministry. And and there are like things that you kind of deal with. But realistically, I had to stop because I was allowing the enemy to put me in a place where I was I was stifling myself because I started feeling like now now there's a difference between accountability, right? Because there's some things I had to be accountable for, but then some of mm -hmm. it was me saying like, nah, I'm gonna just stay out because I don't want to, you know, be an embarrassment to God, kind of. But you have to deal with, you know, almost this this experience that that Paul goes through you know that that you know I was caught up in the third heavens and there there was inexpressible things and and I came out and here yeah. I know a man who was once caught in the third heavens rather and here we are now that I realize <laughs> I have this thorn in my flesh that's a messenger of Satan sent to buffet me lest I become exalted above measure and I had to realize that God is the God who doesn't just know what you need to get where you need to go but he knows what he needs to put yeah. in you to stay in place he has to keep you you know in that space and in that flow and sometimes God has to send certain things and allow certain things and i had to even start unpacking that scripture to talk to talk about like some of these thorns that we deal with in our flesh and how god's grace is in fact sufficient right we we never identified this thorn that he's dealing with but what we do know is that for whatever reason he considers an embarrassment to his glory to the degree that he wants god to take it away right and so if you're in that same position and you're dealing with someone like me who's saying god i really just want to get this right like and i'm so sorry that i've been preaching since i was 14 and here i am 30 and I'm wrestling with things that I never thought I'd wrestle with because I probably didn't deal with them when I was 14, 15, 16, so forth, so on. And God, I don't want to be an embarrassment to your glory. So I start to now control myself and put myself in a place and in a box where I don't really want to be used, but really there's grace for me to be used because there's still ministry for me that God has assigned to my hands to do. Long story short, you unpack all that. I'm dealing with this spirit of self-condemnation. And I really had to start to really dive into scripture more and more and more to understand God is great. Grace is great. Right. And that you have to understand the depth of love to really understand God. And the problem is a lot of us don't really know what love is. And I'm talking about love according to, you know, the book of Corinthians, you know, outlines kind of love yeah. where love keeps no record of wrongs. Love is not puffed up. Love is not proud. It's always forgiving. It's always, you know, it's slow to anger, you know, quick to, to forgive, quick to love. I'm saying that to say I had to realize there are some things that love just won't do. And I said that on a post and I thought that it was something that was going to touch people. And it did. But for me, it's something that I needed people to understand down. It's like, there are some things that love just will not do. Meaning the depth of God's love for you is so, what, what, what Bishop said, so encompassing. It's so deep. It is so, you know, magnificent in its nature that you don't even really understand all of the love that God has for you. It's greater than any love that you've ever experienced. It's, it's closely resembled to the love of a parent, right? But we can't even necessarily say that yeah. for everybody's case, but it is a deep love and God is not just as cut and dry as we make him out to be. I say that to say this, that a lot of us are dealing with things that we have not discussed, not talked about, afraid to talk about. Some of us allow those things to push us into self-condemnation where we do allow the enemy to yoke us up. Some of us allow those things to push us into the place where we are in spiritual warfare and bondage. And once again, the enemy is yoking us up. But what we have discovered in this conversation is that confession is necessary for freedom, necessary for deliverance. And when you confess mm -hmm. that you allow yourself to begin to see God's love for you, and most of all, you give yourself and position yourself to be able to understand that in whatever you're going through, the hand of God is on your life and using that part of your story for something greater, right? A lot of times, some of the things that we go through or many of the things we go through are designed to become points of ministry for us, points of, of freedom for us, points of liberation for other people. Um, and most of all, to give God the glory. So whoever you are today, whatever you're going through, I pray that you have taken so much from this conversation to help you to understand how to begin to deal with dismantling 
dismantling the hush-hush society, the hush-hush culture, the hush-hush lifestyle, because today what we have understood is that talking about it will really lead to the liberation that you need to begin to not just live your life, but to start your next now, because there's something greater for you. There is something that God wants to do with you, and I believe that, and I know that Bishop Jason Nelson believes that. Right now, Bishop, I'm going to ask you to do one thing before we leave, because I can keep you all day long. I just want you to minister really quickly to someone who is in a position where they've been wrestling with burden and with weight and with trauma and and even with with some self-sin or even self-condemnation, whatever it is that they're dealing with. I want you to minister from the perspective of this conversation today. And then after that, I want to ask that you pray for that individual. Um, And as we close this conversation, we want to just first say thank you once again for showing up here on the Your Next Now podcast. But most of all, we want to thank you for the invaluable wisdom that you share. Um, We love you. I know that my listeners are going to be blessed by this. And and once again, just just thank you um, for giving us the time today to liberate someone who you may not may never meet and someone you may never know that you helped, but thank you today. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, while you were talking, what, what occurred to me and uh, came to me is a scripture, Jeremiah 31 and three. Um, and God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Mm, an everlasting Therefore, love. with loving kindness, I have drawn you. So the, the word everlasting and just, I'm a preacher, so it, it is what it is, but the word everlasting means no, no, uh, it has a beginning, but no ending. Wow. Eternal means no ending and no beginning, but everlasting means there is a beginning, but there is no ending, right? Wow. So at this point, <laughs> so from, from the time you were a thought, this is the beginning, from the time you were a thought in the mind of God unto forever, mm-hmm. that's God's love for you. So we have to recognize that we're, we're at a point now where we have a God whose love cannot be canceled, mm. period. Mm-hmm. So when we feel like we're unlovable, when we feel like we've, we've made paths or, or, or made some changes um, or, or made decisions that pull us out of the category of lovable for God, there is no such thing. Literally, it doesn't exist. Right. So when, when you look at it from that perspective, if God's love is pervasive in us, to cover the very worst of us. It means that even in our lowest place, we're still in God's check, checklist of being loved. So who, whoever you are that's listening to me today, I want you to understand that the worst of your life has not canceled God's love for you. Um, the worst of your thought process has not canceled God's love for you. Um, you might be considering suicide. Jesus. Even when I tell you, Somebody loves you. God loves you. And because he loves you, he's also appointed somebody in this earth who can translate that love to you in a way that will help you Mm. be secure in the fact that you are not in life by yourself. Um, So I want to encourage you, whoever you are that's listening to me today, I want to encourage you that the, the end should never happen at your own hand because God has loved you with an everlasting love. And this is, this is the fact that you're listening to this podcast at this very moment is God's signal that he's still extending his loving arms to you. He wants you to be embraced in that love. He wants you to understand that you may have happened onto this podcast, but it was very deliberate on God's part to let you know that his love for you has not ended and that his love you never will end. Wow. So I, I, I want to encourage wow. whoever you are to hang in there. Wow. Um, go talk to a therapist. Yeah. Find somebody who has the ability to help you navigate this space of your life, whether it be a pastor, whether it be a therapist, whether it be a best friend. There is somebody who is appointed to you in this season to ensure that what you're dealing with does not end with your demise, mm. that there is something beyond this moment that if you would give God an opportunity, mm. he would help you navigate it with, with a level of adroitness and, and with a level of skill and clarity right. that probably goes beyond your thinking. Right. Um, and in that regard, let me pray. So, Father, we thank you for this opportunity you, to come before you today. We thank you, Father, uh, because you have opened the, the door, the window, the gate, whatever mechanism works for those who are listening and partaking in this podcast to understand, number one, that there's silence is not your plan for them, but that we would confess, that we would speak, that we would declare. You even told us in your word that whatever we say, we will have. 
So, Father, I pray today that you would uh, reconcile the thoughts of our hearts yes, and our minds so that our mouths would speak according to your will and not according to what we've heard in our past and our history, that we would change our language from that of being a victim to being a victor. Yes, Father, Lord. I pray now in the name of Jesus that you would literally envelop whoever is listening today with your love, with your care, and with your grace, with your mercy. Father, we pray now that any vestige of the enemy's attack would be taken away. We pray, Father, that you would lift up a standard and cause your protection yes, to God. guard and to guide those Jesus. people who are listening to this yes, podcast God. today. Yes, Father, God. I pray that you would cause your people and those who have not yet come into right relationship yes, with you Jesus. to understand that you have the ability to lift them up, to set them up above a rock, above the heads and the hands of the enemy yes, to God. allow them to be safe. Father, I pray today. Thank you for Marissa. Thank you for this opportunity. And we thank you, Father, that somebody is going to hear this podcast today and find a doorway to deliverance yes, and a doorway to healing and a doorway to complete yes, wholeness. In the name we give of Jesus. praise, glory, and honor for it. In Jesus' in name Jesus we pray. Name. Amen. 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 Listen, y'all, Bishop Jason Nelson has totally blessed us today so much so that I think I gotta find the time to do a part two in the next couple of months not just to this conversation but one that is just a little more extensive because he is just so full of wisdom so if we can find the time hopefully we'll see if he can come back and talk to us again soon I want to thank you guys for tuning in this week and I want to also tell you to be sure to tune in next week because you never know who's going to stop by on your next now listen y'all make sure you stop by www.marissafarrell.com to view my itinerary. I would love to meet any of you wherever you are if you're in an upcoming area that I'll be in. And most of all, don't forget to get your Brown by Marissa merch, support small black business. I'm excited about everything that's going on. And today is a good day to start something new. Not tomorrow, not next week, but make sure you do it now. Hey, I'm out of here. See you guys soon. All right, bye.